0: This is KCLR's Bottom
1: Line with John Purcell.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the city's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie.
1: Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Big thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and Ireland's easiest quiz isn't really the easiest quiz for some people and uh it's €300 Euros next week. This morning on The Bottom Line, we talked to Paul Farrell, Chief Executive of Virgin Media TV, about the TV business and his thoughts on the future of media in Ireland. We'll hear about how Lone it, a Kilkenny-based startup, has already become the top business in its category of the finance industry less than two years after being founded, and how it's reached the final of a prestigious national business award scheme. And Anne Healy will tell us how after 37 years working with the one company she took the plunge to start her own business based on her passion for horses and a belief in making your own good luck all that and more between now and 10 o'clock but first joining me on the phone is regular bottom line contributor Tom Malloy who's director of public affairs and communications at trinity college dublin but of course former group business editor with uh inm and former editor of the kilkenny people and tom on that i was browsing twitter during the week and i saw a picture of a very looking young you taken back in 2007 uh, with some work experience people who were visiting your office back then tell us about the story behind that picture
2: yes good morning john uh, yeah that was uh I also saw that picture, of course. Uh, It was um, was Sam Matthews, the now editor of the Kirkenny People, visiting the Kirkenny People Youth Room um, as part of a work experience program organized by by Kakeni College.
1: When he was a student.
2: He was a student, fourth year, transition year. And uh, after, I suppose, getting over the shock of both how how, how young Sam obviously looked and and how young I looked relative to now, it it set me thinking um, because... I think transition year has been really fantastic innovation um, in, in education. It's been great to, to say to people, look, there's more to it than just just preparing for exams. And one of the really good things has been um, work experience. Um, and it, it is a real – I have a, a daughter, actually, in, in, in transition year at the moment, uh, which is probably why I was thinking along these lines. But it's a real loss this year that so many kids won't be able to do work experience for, for obvious reasons. And, and it, we must kind of find a way, and, and I, I felt a bit guilty, to be honest, over the years. Uh, I've had many people doing work experience in, in the various places that I've worked, and I probably haven't taken it quite seriously enough or given it as much thought as I could have to to make sure that they would have a, a really good experience. And, and not just a good experience, but I suppose a realistic experience. It's important, isn't it, to... Mm for people to understand what it's actually like to do a job because it can seem glamorous and you and I, John, have both worked in media and we know that people think it's glamorous but often it's not particularly. And people need to understand that so they can make a realistic assessment of what they should um, what they should do with their work lives. Yeah. And I, I, I suppose I, that photograph made me promise to myself that when COVID is over I'm gonna be a better um, a better employer, a better better at thinking about work
1: experience. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's important for giving people breaks in an industry, but it's also important for uh, a business to keep reinvigorating itself with young people, and unfortunately here on Casey Law, we've had loads of people who've started on work experience and have gone on to, to work with us.
2: Yeah, it is. it is. I mean, employers business people, they often complain that, that people are not interested in their line of work and that they don't understand. Well, I wonder do they go out to the schools? Do they do they talk to local kids and, and try and entice them in? I mean, it's a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah. The shouldn't just sit there waiting for people to come. It should actually he or she should actively go out, and especially if they're small and not well-known, yeah. and try and get the right kind of people to come.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're in the grip of COVID at the moment, and there is, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel flickers on and off <laughs> variously as to what, whatever week you're in. You've been having a look at the papers this morning. Um, where's the state of the light, and are people looking beyond COVID at the moment, or, or you know, what's the temperature you've found in looking at the papers this morning?
2: I was looking at the business pages, and it seemed to me that um, there was an overarching theme across the Irish Times, the Irish Independent, and and the FT, and that overarching theme was digital disruption, Uh, you know, and and that's a kind of a a side effect of COVID that we're all aware of that we're doing much more online than we used to be doing, whether it's talking to people, conducting business, buying things, We've, we've all been forced to kind of go online, and I suspect that that's going to change things a lot, so for instance, in the Irish Times, sad stories about arcadia the, the group owned by philip green that that owns um, Topshop and miss Selfridge and so on, finally going bust uh, this week, and four hundred and seventy people in in the Republic
1: losing their jobs mm. uh, and that's on the back of other companies and like a lot always, of well known brands closing as a result, yep that's right and a lot of concessions and the
2: the, the high street is changing Then the Irish Times has quite an interesting uh, series of articles by by different people on how to bring life back into city centres well they they talk specifically about Dublin but it seems to me it's it's just as relevant for somebody living in Carlow or or in Kilkenny you know how to bring Mm. life and and people Mm. and residents back into I mean John you you, you live in in the centre of Kilkenny and my family lived on Rosin Street in Kilkenny I mean we we both know that it, it can be a very pleasant place to to live and it's surprising perhaps that more people are not living in, in city centres at the
1: moment. Yeah, well, it's lovely even to see people around and, and it's good to see people these days, you know, out and about and sitting around having socially distanced coffees with their families and, you know, enjoying the outdoors rather than seeing distant lands as the place they have to go to uh, enjoy life. Enjoy your local community.
2: Mm, That was very much a kind of a a theme that that, um, cities are under attack and towns, and we will have to start taking um, mitigating measures to to prevent some kind of downside. Otherwise, our cities will turn out to be, you know, like American cities, donuts, just, just completely dead in the city center. And in fact, in many other countries as well, German cities are pretty dead in the city center, but... In other places like Italy and, and France, uh, where lots of people live in city centres, uh, they're very lively, very yeah. pleasant places to be.
1: And you were talking about digital disruption. Big story business-wise is that the whole thing about the digital disruption to the stock market because uh, GameStop, I think, during the week was a huge business story.
2: Yeah, that is that is the most fascinating business story, isn't it? The one that's got every every everybody's tongue wagging, uh, although it is... In, in parts, I find difficult to understand. Uh, I mean, the, the basic principle is easy. Uh, a load of a load of amateur investors decided that they that they wanted to teach the hedge fund hedge funds a lesson, uh, and then a lot of hedge funds powered in, and there was a battle royale. And you know, about ten people made a billion dollars wow. each. So you know, there's a huge amount of money at play. I I thought um, perhaps the most interesting kind of comment on the GameStop. Um, uh, battle came from Ray Dalio, the the investor, the hedge fund manager, uh, stroke philosopher, who who told Bloomberg that he thinks it's it's reflective of the the divisions in American society that uh, it's not far removed from the people who who stormed the Capitol. This 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 kind of total inability to accept that there might be two sides to an argument, and the kind of need that we've seen in American politics and American life nowadays to. To just destroy the other side, not just to kind of say, "Well, I disagree with you," and you know, as people have done for, for for decades now, instead, just to kind of say, "I disagree with you," and I am going to destroy you one way or the other. I'm going to impeach you. I'm going to take a legal case against you. I'm going to build a wall against you. I'm going to blah blah blah. I, I think he's right. I think there is a there is an edginess in the stock exchange at the moment that is um, dangerous uh, and. And there's a kind of euphoria we've seen it before many times for those of us anyone who's over 50 will remember it the financial crisis in 2007 2008 and and the the uh, tech bubble that came just before september 11th and actually there, there, were quite, there were quite a lot of warnings in in the papers you know um bank of America for instance uh, predicts that stocks, stock stock will go down 10 percent well and these predictions are always you know they're really fingers in the air no one can know but it's unusual for a bank to predict a sharp decline in stock prices because of course its own you know mm. it, it too is a stock uh, so I, I, you know there's a lot there's a lot going on i think that that suggests that that, that 2021 might be a really difficult year although it has to be said the other theme in the papers this morning i think is that there's a fair amount of good economic news um europe for instance grew a little bit faster all the main economies in the last quarter of this year i mean we've seen a lot of uh, saving people are using their money sensibly here you know the saving rates have never been higher so there are some underlying fundamentals but you can't help thinking that millions of people uh, doing nothing because of COVID for a year mm-hmm. and through no fault of their own is not good news
1: Yeah. Tom, another story that is is big, and usually this time of the year we're reading about all the the billionaires and so on jetting into Davos. You've actually spent time in Davos during the big Davos event. Tell us a bit about that and and tell us how Davos has changed this year.
2: Well, Davos has gone online. Uh, uh, Yeah, I have been to Davos a few times. Uh, I remember talking to you uh, from Davos a couple of times uh, over the years. And... It, it, it's an absolutely, well, it's an extraordinary event, in my opinion. Some people think it's it's overdone and, and, and so on. I I, I I always enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's a place of startling beauty, for starters. You fly into Zurich, um, you get a train up through the Davos Valley, which is one of the most beautiful valleys in the Alps. It takes a couple of hours. Uh, you have enormous difficulties finding accommodation because everything is booked out. But once you get into it, uh, it's really just a compound where... Uh, every second person you see is somebody, um, you know, who's a finance minister or a, a politician or, or a business person. Uh, you know, a really interesting group of people. And they take a lot of trouble to to, take, to kind of pick themes and talk about them. Now, <laughs> the cynics would say, and not without reason, that they almost always pick the wrong theme. You know, they're like, Davos last year, there was absolutely no intimation of, the, the whirlwind that was going to be 2020. But yeah, yeah. you know, who can blame, no one else knew either. Yeah, yeah. It's still, I think, worthwhile to try and focus on questions like population or uh, social justice, or this year they're, they're, they're focusing on, on, on the environment and, and what they call the Great Reset, and this idea, will the will the world change significantly and, and will we become more environmentally minded before it's too late?
1: And what do you think, Tom, briefly, and we have to finish in about a minute, but, like, (laughs) what do you make of the team of Davos, and do you think it's going to get traction? Is the world going to change dramatically?
2: Um, Well, I I, I, I suspect it won't change that dramatically, and, and reports from places like Australia and New Zealand, where life is kind of more or less back to normal within, kind of, uh, within limits, suggests that people have come back to normal ways. That people are hugging again, and air kissing, and shaking hands, and all that kind of stuff. People people have bounced back very quickly to doing what they've always wanted to do. But I, 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 the optimist in me, thinks that we will come to our senses on the environment. That that we will see that there are really, really big threats that we have to work together as a planet to to solve. And we have worked together as a planet, notwithstanding all this since AstraZeneca this week. We have worked together as a planet more or less to deal with the mm. corona and I, I think we will work together to to kind of reduce the risks to the planet or otherwise we're just entirely screwed. So we, 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 I think we, we understand that we have to. So that kind of thing might change but I think our day-to-day lives will change less than we think.
1: Okay, Tom, we have to leave it there. Thanks very much as usual. That's Tom Malloy, uh, Director of Communications in Trinity College. Good morning, Tom.
3: The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought
0: to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the cities. At
2: the heart of it all. At
0: the heart of it all.
1: Casey Lauren indeed John Purcell with you on the bottom line, the programme for and about business on Casey Lawrence. Now we've discussed uh, where we're at in the media with numerous guests uh, on the programme over the last couple of months because it's a crucial time for the media and the Future of Media Commission, which was on during the week, uh, is examining that and a very important uh, task it's got as well. I'm delighted to be joined on the phone by Paul Farrell, who's Managing Director of Virgin Media TV. Good morning, Paul. Hi John, how are you? Very well, thanks. And you've got good, strong Carlo links, even though you're up in Ballymount running uh, Virgin Media TV.
3: Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I went to Carlo RTC and uh, and I was lucky enough to, to end up working there. I, they gave me a, a placement after I finished the course. I got a placement through actually the Chamber of Commerce uh, to work on the Innovation Centre, which was being set up. And I managed to get a permanent job in the college after that, looking after uh, a lot of the commercial activities within the college night courses and other bits and pieces so uh, yeah great time in carlo really loved it. it was there for eight years
1: yeah never too far away from someone with links to carlo and kenny now tell us a bit about yourself you joined virgin media i think about two or about tell us when you were with davy before that
3: yeah, it's funny. After um, <clears throat> excuse me, I left Carl, I ended up going to uh, the States. I got a scholarship to go there, and I ended up working uh, in media over there, the TV and newspaper business in around uh, the, the Midwest, just outside Chicago. And I came back uh, to Ireland um, and ended up working in telecoms for a number of years and eventually found my way to the Irish Times. And from there, I went to um, media agency land, then to Davies, and then found myself in Virgin Media, a broadband business about six years ago, and uh, took on the role in the TV business uh, just last year.
1: Yeah, and of course, um, uh, Virgin Media Television um, started life as TV3, which was the first time that RTE uh, was uh, facing a competitor in the TV space. How's the business going during COVID, Paul?
3: Um, it's, it's going. I mean, I think on one hand we're very lucky in the sense that you know we're we're still able to. Get up and go to work every day. It's been very challenging, as I'm sure it has been for all media businesses, like like your own in, in radio as well. Just making sure you can still produce and and, and generate the content and output, but equally keeping everybody safe. So that's obviously been the the hardest challenge from March all the way through. Uh, you know, so we've had to create different crews to make sure you know that it, people do. Uh, become infected, we have an alternative and we can protect people and the environment is very, very safe. So that's been the biggest challenge. Outside of that, the, the, the team has been amazing. Uh, you know, we've managed to keep our output going non-stop. Uh, I think similar to radio, we've seen great growth in uh, in viewership. Uh, but equally, we've seen huge growth in trust. Um, you know, our news, uh, current affairs programming, similar to what, what you've seen in radio, has grown significantly over the last uh, 10 months because people do want to go to, you know, local sources, trusted sources. So, so there's a tracker the Department of Health do, and it's interesting, while, well, you know, Virgin Media TV has become the, the second most trusted source for COVID information, and local media has equally grown. Things like Facebook and, and, and a lot of Twitter and social media have declined significantly over the period. So that's encouraging uh, for us all. But then on the other side, John, you know, as you know, uh, advertising, which is the kind of the main source of all our, Revenues and pays all the wages has been under a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, and and of course local news, and by that I mean you do news of Irish interest and all over the country because you have people all around the country. That's at the heart and your current affairs and your speech programming about local and Irish content is at the heart of your success story. Yeah, and and it's
3: funny we we again you try and make a, a virtue out of out of kind of some of these kind of tough times, and we saw through our cable business we have a lot of SME customers who are struggling really really badly uh, all the way from kind of March on and you know we tried to help them out in terms of you know their bills and their services but equally we, we, we saw the TV business could do something in terms of helping promote some of those small businesses who were you know transitioning to you know click and collect or trying to set up online or were looking to do innovative things and we we put together a backing business program that really was about kind of national small businesses giving them a profile and we've kind of We've seen huge success. We've put about a million euros worth of kind of creative advertising, content, editorial into kind of promoting this. And it's kind of been very, very successful. And in that, a lot of that has been about being active local. We spent a day in Limerick, uh, partnering with loads of businesses. We've, we've been to Loud, we've been uh, to Galway, we've been to Sligo, we've been up to Donegal. Uh, and that's you know the reaction you get when you go on the ground and how beneficial that is. I bumped into Derry Cardigan yesterday, our weatherman and he was just back from uh Manute, and he spent the, you know he's nearly in a different town every day and it's just about promoting those local businesses, telling local stories, giving people a kind of voice locally, which I think has never been more important
1: yeah, and we're a huge amount in common with our approach uh, in local radio. How are you feeling about twenty? 20- 21 paul i mean there's two aspects of it there's the growth of the kind of core service you provide and there's a huge appetite out there for news current affairs support for local business and all that but also the business side is tough isn't it because uh let's face it the facebook's and googles who don't have licenses who aren't regulated and so on they're really you know they're running riot yeah it's a funny one i mean i think you know, again as an industry
3: as a broad industry you know newspapers, radio, TV stations. We probably haven't, uh, you know, articulated this as well as we probably could because it is a huge threat to, you know, a whole ecosystem if you talk about, you know, the people that, you know, create the content, the broadcasters, the radio stations, people that create the ads, you know, there's a huge industry here that's under pressure here. And Google, I think the latest stats I saw, and it's obviously been accelerated through the... um, through the, the the covid crisis i think has about 84 85% of the online advertising market mm. and that's over 50% of the total market so that's a very dominant position and a dangerous position and i think regulators you'll see in australia and you know recently in the uk and the eu are trying to, to tackle this but there is a danger that it's going to you know it will grow exponentially and will put traditional media uh, in, in in huge difficulties in the future
1: the the australian thing with google and facebook i mean i had to Laugh in some ways, but they, they were basically saying that they couldn't afford to operate if they had to pay for their content. How would that wash with Virgin Media TV if you just said, Look, we, we need your content, but we just can't pay you?
3: Well, I think that's, I mean, I mean for me, this thing I've been been, been banging on about for, for many years from my days in the Irish Times. I mean, I think this uh, convenient uh, distinction between a platform and a publisher allows, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, almost free reign to, to publish anything without any consequences. And in many ways, without any cost, I mean, they can take your show, John, broadcast it all over the world and generate revenue uh, from it without having to, you know, recognize, do all the research and the work you guys do. And, you know, and then, you know, that content, you know, has 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 revenue potential for them. And that's what they've done across the board. Now, they've also, you know, being fair, enabled a lot of local voices, new voices through their platforms with the same premise applies. They're not accountable or responsible for it, and they should be
1: yeah um uh, the media commission the future media commission uh, you made a presentation during the week give us the top uh points it was it was very uh interesting and it, it kind of points towards how you know the tv license has been in operation for 50 years or something i don't know how long it's been but it, it's a different it's from a different time really isn't it yeah i think there's
3: two aspects to the Media commission one is you know what is public service content and i think the days of assuming one organisation can decide and define what public service content needs to end, you know, RTE, you know, does a good job in certain things. Uh, in my view, not such a good job in other. Uh, but assuming you know, local radio, local newspapers, uh, other TV uh, broadcasters don't provide public service media is 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 naive at best and is out of date. So I think at the first level, a broader definition, of understanding of you know the work local radio, local newspaper does, and how that can be funded. So. That's the first point, and I think that hopefully you know, from the presentations you made and, and lots of people are, have submissions. I think there was over uh, 200, I think, uh, submissions uh, from kind of different media entities and, and individuals into the Commission. That will kind of start to reinforce that new definition. The second part of it then is the funding. You know, again, my, my real frustration is, you know, RTE takes the bulk of all funding, the licence fee, you know, it's 200 million euro nearly, and that goes into one organisation that is highly inefficient, and there's no measures or benchmarks or criteria against how that money is spent. So I think you could you could make a much better uh, use of that funding and apply it more broadly to you know a whole range of media organisations, not just RTE, to yeah. do what's right. And again, get the public more engaged. So there's two issues: funding and the assumption that one organisation can define what it is, and that organisation is highly inefficient. It loses money every year. And you can almost set your clock by the time Maya Doherty goes on the radio and D Forbes to say, oh, look, we're going to lose money again. Mm. And I, I think, you know, like you said, none of us in our organisations could kind of go to our uh, directors and say, oh, by the way, we're going to lose millions this year. Will you give us a few more euros to keep
1: going? But they will say that they have public service uh, obligations to meet and they're very uh, expensive. But... I- here in local radio land, we have uh, contractual ag- agreements that we have to provide twenty percent news and current affairs. Do you have to provide uh, the same amount?
3: Yeah, we have the same obligations. We're licensed as a commercial public service broadcaster under Section seventy seventy one, so we have the same requirements to produce news, like exactly like you have, you know, a daily uh, uh, amount of news across our, our TV platform, and other obligations around language and audio uh, description and other bits and pieces. So, yeah, we have the same obligations. And it's funny, we produce, I think, more news across our stations than RTE do with a fraction of the, the resources and 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 and, uh,
1: and, and is that is that sustainable, that level of commitment with um, of news and current affairs, if things continue as they are with the social media and internet giants not having to be <laughs> accountable for what they do and uh, the business model just continuing as is?
3: Well, I, I think it is going to be challenging. And I think, you know, I said it at the, I think that's where, you know, there's an opportunity for greater collaboration, you know, and some of that has to be about, you know, looking at technology. So while, you know, TV viewership is is holding strong, you know, a lot of that is a result of people being stuck at home more and having more kind of time to, to sit in front of, of TV. But equally streaming, you know, the whole kind of proliferation of new platforms is going to have a big impact on that. But local news, local content and trust in that is still going to be vital and very important. So I think where, you know, Virgin Media, television and, uh, you know, yourselves in local radio, you know, can come together and hopefully, you know, there's an opportunity to put platforms together that make it easier for people to find the local news, the local content we create, rather than assuming, you know, we can only be found through one channel. So I think there's other ways it needs to be looked at. But it is, as you know, it's costly to put together news, to gather news, to verify it, make sure it's accurate and mm. that's something that's going to continue to be a challenge
1: but there are lots of creative people and there's lots there's huge appetite for what we do there's lots of opportunities and there's lots of creative people so given the the right sort of rails in place from the government and regulators um there is a bright future
3: oh i think so i'd be optimistic as you i mean again i mean how many times i remember uh, reading the the carl nationalist every wednesday and many times the people say look no the local newspapers wouldn't survive you know, there's a huge value and importance and connection to communities that newspapers, radio stations, and kind of TV provide. And there's a danger. I always use the example: if you go to Scotland, you know, there's only one remaining Scottish newspaper left uh, as a result of kind of this proliferation of kind of you know mainstream media, international media growing. And in Ireland, we have to be very careful because there's such an influx. You know, you see it now with Netflix and Disney Plus and and uh, and others, of American and US content. We're the most exposed because of our language and our kind of culture uh, alliances and allegiances to, you know, the UK and the US. So local media, local content, the rural communities, and that plays equally from a culture, a sporting point of view, has never been more important. And you're right, that's where the Commission, I think we're both frustrated that it's kind of it's got such a long time frame and, and by the time it kind of makes decisions, you know, a lot of challenges may not be uh, able to be resolved. But the Commission needs to recognise that value and spread that kind of funding model around to support you know, local uh, media organisations and the creation of local content.
1: Yeah, well, great. Paul, uh, pleasure talking to you and best of luck uh, to everyone in Virgin Media TV. Thanks, John. Okay, take it easy. That's Paul Farrell, who's uh, the Chief Executive of Virgin Media TV. You're listening to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Lots more still to come up on the show, but just to tell you that uh, nominations for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2021 programme are open now, so check out the uh, website there, EY Entrepreneur of the Year. That should get it. Interesting, too, to see uh, information out during the week about the number of IE registered in Kilkenny and Carla over the last while and uh, in 2019 uh, the new IE registrations in Carla went up by 48% according to their latest report and interesting in Kakenny they increased by just 19% uh, so interesting stuff there. Don't go away uh, stay with us Edward Hayden up at 10 o'clock but lots more to come on the bottom line KCLR Proud to be local You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning when Edward Hayden takes over in the hot seat. Now, the National Enterprise Awards aim to showcase, encourage and support a culture of enterprise and entrepreneurship in Ireland. And that's very much needed if we're to drag ourselves out of the current COVID travails. These awards are open to small businesses supported by local enterprise offices, a sector where we see... Loads of positive uh, stories about businesses facing adversity and overcoming. The ceremony this year for the National Enterprise Award takes place on Thursday the 11th of February. There are finalists from Kilkenny and Carlow. And this week we're delighted to focus on the Kilkenny company who've landed in the final of this very prestigious national competition. Joining me on the line is Catherine Hennessy from Kilkenny Local Enterprise Office and Tom Enright from Lona the Kilkenny based company which is the Kilkenny finalist now loan it, provide car, agriculture and commercial finance finance even through a digitalised credit application process and we've spoken to founder John Duggan on the programme going back to 2019 shortly after the company began trading Catherine, uh, the National Enterprise Awards a very long established and prestigious, prestigious awards scheme but it'll be very different this year
4: yeah, um, the, it was established over 20 years ago, John, I suppose, to celebrate the contribution that small businesses like Lowness make to the local economy. Uh, but this year, I suppose, due to the pandemic, we have to go virtual with our national final. And we're delighted to have uh, Lowness represent Kilkenny in the final.
1: Um, although online, presumably as uh, hotly contested and uh, a desirable thing to win as ever.
4: Yeah, no. The, the, uh, John and Porig, the promoters of Loner have gone through the uh, strict, I suppose, in, uh, judging process. They're back in November. They would have uh, had to um, be interviewed by a panel of judges and I, I suppose where had a number of tough questions to answer. So we're delighted they've made it through to, to the national final.
1: Tom, uh, tell us a bit more about Loanit. I described it very briefly uh, there, but just tell us about what, what you actually do and what services the company offers.
5: Yeah, thanks very much, John. Um, so we're a Kilkenny-based uh, provider of, as you said, car, agriculture, and, com- and commercial finance. Um, we do it through, I suppose, our own clever technology that we've built in-house um, that helps streamline the credit application process. So we're trying to move it this a bit from a kind of slower, maybe more awkward process, a bit like me when I'm playing Junior B hurling, um, <laughs> to a, a more streamlined and kind of uh, fast, um, efficient, and agile performance. Um, Bit like a TJ, I suppose, who who actually was on our, our TV ads this year um, during the GEA coverage. So we're, we're staffed by local um, southeast-based uh, people in and around Kilkenny. and and as he said, John Duggan, um, who's from Kilkenny himself, and Paul Nolan, who's from um, Limerick, uh, co-founded the company only back in 2019. So in a very short period of time, we're um, we're we're in, we're in the market, and we've we've already grown to. To be the largest um, credit intermediary in, in the car finance space and we're, we're continuing to grow which is a real positive a positive um, thing at the moment isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and and tell us um, about how business has been throughout COVID because I gather you've continued to grow which is a really good sign of a of a company
5: yeah um, like look it's the same as everyone else it's certainly a tougher a tougher market out there um, but I suppose it's made us focus on um, what makes us good in terms of um, speed and 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 simplicity, and and really kind of uh, nailing that down, and it's it's made us, I suppose, think outside the box as well. So later, or late in two thousand and twenty. Um, we we launched in the agricultural and commercial space as well because as you said it's a tough year um, and certainly a tough year in in for, for for car finance as well. But but that meant that meant we 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 had to think of other other areas and we did that and that's really taken off as well. So together with the car finance, it's it's really meant that the the company has kind of incrementally grown, which is which is great,
1: isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I remember meeting uh, John Duggan, Catherine, the founder of Loanit, uh, as uh, as uh, Tom said there, along with his colleague, Paurig Nolan. I remember meeting him in the local enterprise office literally months into the idea. It was very much at the idea stage. The local enterprise office, you've been with Loanit from the beginning. Uh, tell us about that journey together.
4: Yeah, I suppose uh, they're an example of a business that has availed of the sports on offer to them right throughout their journey um, to date. Um, They started out, I suppose, approaching us the Ireland's best young entrepreneur competition was happening at the time and they entered that under the best idea category um, and went forward actually to represent Kilkenny in the national final. And I suppose along with that then they would have uh, received assistance in the form of financial uh, support from grant aid assistance for a priming grant to support their. Full time employment in the business, the boat left very secure jobs to, I suppose, pursue this idea. And it it was only at idea stage, you know, um, they, but they, uh, availed of the assistance that was available to them and also the soft support such as our mentoring and also they participated on our management development training as well so I suppose they've grown along the journey and I suppose as well as that have managed to at this stage uh, grow over 10 employees and therefore went to transfer to Enterprise Ireland uh, as a high potential startup and have secured considerable investment through Enterprise Ireland and um, the HALO angel investment network down in the southeast there managed by the southeast big so they're i suppose a good example of a company that's availed of the supports that were offered to them by the local enterprise office and by other agencies
1: sounds like Um, a lot of support tom and it sounds like it's been very meaningful support you're happy with the state aids that you've received so far
5: Almost oh, definitely, yeah. And and Catherine and the team—they've been—they've been with us from the very start, I suppose. As, as Catherine was saying, um, so back in early two thousand and nineteen. So it's if it's like from from mentoring to, to workshops um, to, as, as Catherine was saying, the strategic management development course, and um, and that wasn't just a case of kind of you know theoretics and all that, but it was also a fantastic learning experience and a chance to, I suppose, build relationships with our peers like there's, there's so many brilliant um, businesses across Kilkenny and, and obviously further afield but it's been able to I suppose learn from others uh, in terms of their what they're doing well and, and perhaps mistakes they've made and, and to ensure that we don't make those mistakes and if we do make the mistakes that we learn from them so from the very start yeah the, the, the local enterprise office and, and Catherine and, and the team have been brilliant for us um, both from a I suppose a state aid point of view and also strategically.
1: Yeah, Catherine, finally and briefly, um, a great example of bringing an idea uh, in a a short period of time, a good idea to fruition and creating employment. A very positive story.
4: Yeah, um, it's great. And I suppose we're delighted to be associated with success. Um, I, I suppose we're here For the uh, people who are considering setting up in business or, you know, if you're already established here in Kilkenny, by all means, you know, there is a number of sports available and it's a matter of tapping into those with and contacting us in relation to it. So... um, But it's an opportunity, I suppose, for us to to showcase the successful businesses that are out there. But also, I suppose, those who may be struggling a little bit at the moment, you know, it's an opportunity as well to link in with us and see what supports or what mentoring we can offer. Oh, them you know
1: okay catherine thank you very much that's catherine hennessy business advisor with kilkenny local enterprise office and tom enright who's head of compliance and risk with loan a kilkenny based company who are taking part in the national awards for the national enterprise awards which take place on thursday february 11th Yes, the Rolling Stones, I bet that surprised you and probably gave a shock to my long-suffering producer, Deirdre Drummy, uh, because I do have a piece of music uh, on standby in case something goes wrong, but I just thought I'd play Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones, just before I speak to my next guest, because my next guest star decided to start up her own business after spending 37 years working uh, in a very good job with AXA, the insurance company. Good morning, Anne Healy.
0: Good morning, John. Thanks a million for having me.
1: Not at all. Yes. Not everybody on this program gets to be introduced by the Rolling Stones, but I just oh, thought... you
0: go, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely, to put me in the mood.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, but a uh, part of me had me thinking, like, you had you had yourself a very good job for 37 years. What possessed you to start up your own business after that length of time?
0: John, listen, I had a great job. AXA was a great place to work. I have met my best friends through AXA, and that'd be customers and staff, and that's the truth of it. But I suppose, you know, timing is what it's all about. Um, maybe a little bit naive, maybe a dream, you know hmm. and um, I suppose timing is the biggest thing you 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 come to your last child in college and you say, "You make a break now and well, give it a shot. And I suppose look that's what it's all about. Naivety, I suppose, takes you a long way and and the dream, yeah, and,
1: uh, and look, <laughs> and you're a big believer in luck, and that's what you've listen. that's oh, what you've built look, your business yeah. on,
0: yes, completely. and you know what? the other thing is people giving you a break right so the likes of you Emer, edward you know and, and there's loads more giving you a little break where you can say this is what i do and it's getting it out to people and the other thing is family friends and people around kilkenny have been so kind to me and supporting me which is huge and i mean i sell I say, what I sell, good luck, uh, and and it's something that you can't actually touch, but you can
1: feel it. Yeah, you know? so tell us, so, we, we've we managed to get uh, three minutes into the interview, and we haven't even mentioned your business name, which is a bit of a record for Biddy's this show.
0: Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoes. Biddy's yes, good, luck, good Luck
1: Horseshoes. Yes. So tell us Biddy. the story of Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoes, and it's biddy'sgoodluckhorseshoes.com. Yes.
0: Absolutely, and so Biddy was a horse that Edward rode for many years, had great success on, would won many major competitions. Just one of the animals that you just couldn't buy. She just landed on our doorstep, literally, um, with the help of friends. So I suppose no better name. And I suppose my, I suppose idea behind the whole lot was that I was going to be able to share good luck through Biddy, and she had been so lucky for us. You know, it was following on that anything i touch was going to be a little bit lucky. I suppose, John, I'm into tradition. I have my horseshoe that I got 30 years ago here in my kitchen. Um, I got it on my wedding day from my flower girl. I wouldn't part with it for the world, and it has stood me well.
1: Yeah.
0: So... so- Like It's all
1: about, I suppose, making a little bit of good luck as well. Yeah, and we all need that. And So you took the plunge, and we'll talk some more, but we're going to take, you were talking about making a break. We're going to take a break, um, and we'll be back to talk to you more after that. I'm talking to Anne Healy, who's telling us about her business, uh, Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoes. Don't go away.
0: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.
1: I love that thing uh, there with Shane O'Keefe. It's just fantastic. The passion, the joy and so on. That sport brings everybody and it'll be back uh, to us soon. Looking forward to hearing more of that in the weeks ahead. We're talking to uh, Anne Healy about Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoe. So, Anne, we've been through the, you know, you took the plunge, you started the business, uh, horseshoes meant a lot to you. How did you turn then your your sort of desire to start a business into a reality?
0: Okay, so I suppose I did go to Catherine in the local enterprise office, Delighted to see her on there beforehand. So it's a mind of information. And through a series of mentoring, I suppose I learned a little bit about it. Now, that's an ongoing process, and that's something that I'm doing all of the time. So I'm learning all the time. I'm listening all the time, John. I'm listening to your show. I'm listening to other business shows and seeing how it can be adapted to me. And I'm also networking. So I joined Network Ireland, which has been a huge asset to me. Um uh, subsequently or this year then I joined another network and that's really important because it's it's support for me, not not even it gets the word out there yes, but it's support. And I suppose when you're suddenly on your own, you're coming from like I came from an organization where there was support all around me, to suddenly being on your own or just with your family and you're wondering and you're you're doing something that you're probably, you know, in business that never had to do before. So it is so important that you have support around you and i suppose that has helped me hugely
1: yeah and you know? and tell us about business pre-covid what was your bread and butter i mean you mentioned you got a horseshoe sure. yourself when you got married yeah, presumably absolutely. that was um, big
0: yes and i was probably concentrating hugely on weddings like that was my that's where everything was coming in it was weddings come march last year i had been i had been Prior to that, out the year before, I had been getting prospects, I had orders or whatever. And came March, every single one of them were cancelled. And you kind of have to uh, kind of reinvent yourself, I suppose, at that stage. So I began to look at other products like new baby, new home. Isolation gifts were really big and still are.
5: Say that one again, isolation isolation gifts. gifts. Yeah, explain that.
0: They haven't seen their family or their friends in months, and a year maybe in some cases. And they send them a gift cheer them up and everybody like the actual horse sure show resonates with everybody because everybody knows it means good luck so I suppose it's it's to cheer somebody up so th- that actually has been a really big part of my business send me a gift somebody you haven't seen, with a little personalised note in it, wishing them good luck and saying, we'll see you soon.
1: And that's you know, very important, because, isn't
0: it? Oh, it's hugely important. you I, know.
1: And, and I'd say you've met some interesting people, uh, and through oh, it.
0: John, everybody has a story, and, and I suppose because the Horseshoe is such a thoughtful gift and it is so meaningful, everybody has an idea in their head why they're sending it. Mm. So it's a it's a great source. Of, for me, it has been a great outlet in that I get to speak to so many people. You know, people ring me up with an idea in their head and say, you know, would
1: this be possible? Mm.
0: And you know, so, so you've adapted
1: around. quite well to COVID by the sounds of things. And how are you feeling yeah. about the future? And you know, you you left. We started off talking about how you. You left AXA, presumably AXA would have five-year plans, 10-year plans, structures and all Absolutely, that. Did you take a yeah. lot of that to your your good luck business?
0: Yes. Um, it's funny how one thing can be adapted to another or God knows, John, I had a lot of experience over 37 years. So little things can be adapted and I suppose contacts that you make and that's what it's all about. You
1: know. Absolutely, so, so you're feeling yeah. optimistic Anne, yeah?
0: I am feeling really optimistic, yeah. I um, was actually talking on a conference there recently, it was a global conference and I um, would be hoping to get exporting very, very shortly. That's in hand at the minute in a small way, yeah, yeah. but on a, a bigger scale.
1: So what would you be saying to people now this morning who are, you mentioned the word isolation, who, who may be working from home, who are feeling bad, but you know, they have a dream, and so on, um, however unlikely it might sound, because, you know, selling horseshoes when posted- I can
0: guarantee you that a lot of people looked at me, John. Yeah,
1: so what would you say?
0: <laughs> no, well, first of all, I would say go to the enterprise board or to Leader and talk to them, because they have vast amounts of knowledge. They will put you in the right direction. Then if you do actually take the plunge, I think it's really important that you join some shape or form of a network. I, I think it, it offers support. They're not with you in your house, but they're there at the end of the phone. They're, they're, they're turning around ideas all the time, and you will get an awful lot from it.
1: And you'd be that's welcomed really with big open big arms support. as well, won't oh, you? Oh,
0: Jesus, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, I mean, you take it from there, but in fairness, go to the likes of Catherine O'Connor here first. Yeah. Like, that's huge
1: well look and we have to leave it there but i have to say your positivity is infectious um i've had a couple of texts in to say it's great to hear your enthusiasm and if uh people like to find out more about your website they can do it at biddies good and you know or give me a ring or send me a text or whatever i'll
0: absolutely come back to
1: yes. well Anne, John, look
0: pleasure I talking you to you
1: and good luck to you great
0: thank you very
1: much okay Anne, talk to you Bye. soon that was uh, Anne Healy there from Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoes. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom Line at kclor96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to the show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just search for The Bottom Line on Kclor on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thanks to all our guests this week. Tom Malloy, Paul Farrell, Catherine Hennessy, Tom Enright and Anne Healy. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show. Thanks to you for listening. Until we speak again, stay safe, keep your distance and hold firm. We'll get through this. Have yourself a good week, a good uh, weekend, and we'll talk to you next Saturday just after nine on The Bottom Line.
0: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie